Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. The Lord's coming is certain. The Lord's coming will be soon. Well, how are we to be living in light of that certain and soon coming of the Lord? As you look through scripture, there are three qualities that ought to characterize every believer who finds himself living in the last days. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, the signs are clear that the return of Jesus Christ is imminent. And while we could never know the day or the hour, we can be prepared for whenever that time comes. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains what we should be doing right now to get ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. In times like these, it's always refreshing to hear good news. And so as we begin the program, I'd like to brighten your day with some really good news. I'm delighted to report that God has chosen to use Pathway to Victory in ways we never expected. Record numbers are watching our television program and listening to this radio program because people are absolutely starving to hear the truth. Plus, as our supportive audience continues to band together as a family, we can have an even greater impact for God's glory. And I'm calling on you to join us during this exciting season of opportunity. When you give today, you're becoming part of a movement to shine light in the dark places of our country. If you've been holding back on supporting Pathway to Victory because the stock market has given you pause, or you're waiting to see what happens in the next election cycle, let me remind you that your financial support today is needed as never before. With our expanding influence and with so much at stake in our country, your generous gift is urgently needed. We are postured to make a global impact, but we can't do so without your help. At the end of today's message, we'll explain how you can request my gift book called America is a Christian Nation and other resources. These will come to your home as a big thank you gesture from all of us at Pathway to Victory. Now, let's begin today's study in God's Word. In light of a season that's marked with fear and uncertainty, I'm presenting a message that's titled with a simple question, How Should We Now Live? A survey a few months ago asked a cross-section of Americans this question, which better describes how you feel about the way things are going in the world these days? The survey offered two possible responses. Response number one, everything will be all right. Response number two, things are going to hell in a handbasket. Would you be surprised to know that 60% of Americans chose that second response? Things are going to hell in a handbasket. By way of note, it's the first time going to hell in a handbasket was ever used in a national survey before. But that's how many people feel about the world condition. Another group, 64% of voters said that they believe that the world is spinning out of control. 84% of Americans in another poll said they believe ISIS poses a real threat to American security. It's not surprising then that in another poll, 70% of all Americans said they are angry about the direction in which the world is going. 
People are asking the question, what is the world coming to? Where are we headed? Is anybody really in charge? The answer to all of those questions is found in a single event toward which all history is marching. That event is the apocalypse, the unveiling, the revelation, the return of Jesus Christ. Over and over again in scripture, we find the promise of Jesus that he will come again. And the Bible says two things about the return of Jesus. First of all, his coming is absolutely certain. And secondly, the Bible promises his coming is soon. His coming, his second coming will be soon. Well, how are we to be living in light of that certain and soon coming of the Lord? As you look through scripture, there are three qualities that ought to characterize every believer who finds himself living in the last days. First of all, the Bible says we are to be people of hope. We're to be people of hope. So pastor, how can we be people of hope given what's happening in the world today? Ladies and gentlemen, our hope does not rest in Washington, D.C. Our hope is not found in any politician. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 39, 7, and now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in thee. Our hope is in the everlasting God. Romans 15, 13 contains one of the most beautiful benedictions found in all scripture. Paul closes, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the repetition of that? We serve the God of hope. And because of that, we ought to abound in hope ourselves. But not only are we to be people of hope, secondly, the Bible says we are to be people of insight. Tucked away in the Old Testament is a verse that I think best describes how we ought to be living in times like these. First Chronicles 12, 32, the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. Men who understood the times with a knowledge of what they, Israel, should do. People who live in the last times are people who, first of all, understand the times. They understand the times. These sons of Issachar, they knew what was happening in their nation. They knew that there was a shift in the political winds. They had an understanding of the moral and spiritual climate of their nation. And we need to be the same way today. The people of insight are people who not only understand their times, but they know what they should do. And that means in these last days, we are to be people of action. People of action. And make no mistake about it, God has called upon us to confront an evil society. He's called upon us to confront evil leaders. He's called upon us to confront all immorality and say without stuttering or stammering, thus saith the Lord. We are to be 
actively involved in battle. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 13 and 14. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You've heard me say this before, but when Jesus talked about being salt, he was talking about being a preservative. That's what salt did in Jesus' day. It didn't prevent the decaying of meat. It delayed the decay of meat. It gave the meat a longer shelf life until it eventually had to be thrown out. And Jesus said, as my representatives in the world today, you're to be salt. You're to be a preservative in this culture. You're to keep this world from prematurely imploding so that people have longer to accept the gospel. We're to be salt. But he also said, you are to be the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're to be at the same time that we are pushing back against evil, we are being the holding forth. We're to be holding forth the word of the light of God. God has called us not just to understand the times, but to do something. We're to be people of hope. We're to be people of insight. But thirdly, we're to be people of courage. To be that salt and light in today's world takes courage. A.W. Tozer once said, a scared world needs a fearless church. God wants us to be fearless people as we stand for him. Are you ready to stand for him regardless of the cost? Persecution is coming. People who find themselves living in the last days need to be people of hope. We need to be people of insight, but we have to be people of courage. That brings us to an all-important question. Where exactly are we on God's timetable? Pastor, how close are we to the end? We know in Matthew 24, Jesus said, no man can know the day or the hour. But we also read in 2 Peter that we are to be alert. We are to be looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord. So how close are we? There are two places we need to look to answer that question. First of all, we need to look at the world situation. That's one way to know how close we are. And when I talk about the world situation specifically, I'm talking about looking at the Middle East and even more specifically, looking at Israel. The Bible says the final world events before the return of Christ that matter won't be occurring in London, New York, or Tokyo. The final events that usher in the return of Christ will take place in Israel and the nations around Israel. Now, Again, we can't know the hour or day, but I want you to write down these four truths about the world situation. Number one, there is a clear pattern of events laid out in the Bible concerning the last days. When you tie together the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is a clear pattern about what's going to happen immediately before Christ returns. Specifically, there is going to be an increased hostility toward the Jewish people and toward the nation of Israel. And there's going to be an intense hatred for Christians. Those two things go hand in hand together. The Antichrist will launch a persecution against the Jews and against believers. There will be an intense hatred of Israel that will result in an invasion of Israel. And I think you can look right now and you can see that happening. You can see nation after nation turning its back on Israel. You can see in the United States of America a lessening of support for Israel 
I think personally, all it's going to take is a couple of major terrorist events in this country that are tied to those groups that hate Israel for most of Americans to say it's time to bail out in our support for Israel. We're only about a couple of events away from that happening. That is a sign of the end. Number two, there's an amazing similarity between our world and the world the Bible describes at the end of time. Go back and read Matthew 24 and 25 when Jesus laid out what is gonna happen in the world before he returns. And yes, it's true, a lot of those signs have been around for a long time. But as Jesus said, those signs are gonna be like the labor pains a woman experiences before birth. They're going to increase in both frequency and intensity. And we're seeing that happen. Number three, if that is true, then we indeed may be the generation to experience the rapture of the church. Remember, the rapture occurs seven years before the second coming. If the second coming is close, how much closer will be the rapture of the church? I read this week that Ann Graham Lotz, the daughter of Billy Graham, said she believes she will be alive to see the rapture of the church. She may or may not be true, but it's close. It's getting closer every day. As I've said so often, one of two things is happening. Either he's coming or we're going, but we're living in the last days for all of us. Our confrontation with God is soon. And that means, number four, every sign points in one direction. It won't be long now. How do we know where we are on God's timetable? Look at the world situation. But secondly, we need to look at the Bible. You know, the question I'm asked perhaps you've been asked as well is, why is the Lord so slow in returning? Why, we've heard this refrain for 2,000 years that Jesus is coming back. He hasn't come back yet. With a world situation like it is, why doesn't the Lord put an end to it and come back? Well, Peter faced that same question and he answers it in 2 Peter 3, verses 3 to 10. I want you to look at these verses very carefully. Peter warned, know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of the water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But the present heavens and earth, by his word, are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise. As some count slowness, but he is patient toward you. Not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Here are three insights from that passage to always remember. Number one, the Lord's return is certain because God promised it. We have the same scoffers today that were present in Peter's day. Where is the promise of his coming? You all talk about it all the time. I don't see him anywhere. 
I don't see him anywhere. That's what the scoffers will say in the last days. You know what Peter says? There's another time men were saying that. They were saying that right before the flood. God had promised to destroy the world because of its wickedness. But the flood was delayed. And people scoffed at the idea. But one day, as Jesus said, while they were eating, drinking, and marrying, and giving in marriage, the flood came and swept them all away. So will it be when Christ returns again. The Lord's return is certain because he's promised it. Secondly, the Lord's return will usher in a day of judgment for the ungodly. Notice the sequence of words here. Water, destruction, judgment, fire. When the flood came, it swept the unbelievers away into everlasting judgment. God destroyed the world once with water. And he promised he would never do it again. I know it's hard to look around and believe that promise sometimes, but he really has promised as wet as it gets, he's not going to destroy the world again with water. Every time you see a rainbow, that is God's promise. He won't destroy the world by water, but he is going to destroy it by fire. The Bible says everything we see is going to be burned up one day at the Lord's return. That is going to be Good news for us who are believers, it is terrible news for unbelievers because the Lord's return signals his judgment. And number three, the Lord's return is delayed to give people a chance to trust in Christ. This delay that the scoffers mock, where is the promise of his coming? That delay is for their benefit. God gave them a delay as a gift to them to give them one final chance to repent. God is not a God who hates people. He loves people. But he's also a God of justice. He must judge sin. God has provided a way of escape through faith in Jesus Christ. And God is giving every person one last chance to repent before the day of judgment comes. And that leads to the question, how can you how can I best prepare for the apocalypse? How do we prepare for the certain and soon coming of the Lord? You know, we look around the world and we say, what in the world is wrong with the world? To answer that question, all you have to do is look in the mirror. If you want to know what's wrong with the world, just look in the mirror. You're the problem. I'm the problem. The turmoil in the world today is because of the turmoil that exists in every human heart. A turmoil that is caused by sin, a rebellion against God. And the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all rebelled against God and everything that is wrong in the world today can be traced back to that rebellion against God. A rebellion we've all participated in. We've all sinned, the Bible says. We've all are in deserving of God's judgment. How can we be made right with God? How can we be at peace with God? Listen to what Paul said in Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. The only way any of us are going to be at peace with God the only way we can be assured of being welcomed into heaven is to be justified by God. That word justified is a legal term. It means to be declared not guilty. The only hope any of us has 
is that we will be found not guilty before God. But here's the problem. We're guilty before God. You don't need me to tell you that. You've sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. We're very, very guilty. How could God ever find us not guilty? Well, that is the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he willingly took the punishment for your sin and my sin. And when we trust in Jesus for our salvation in that great courtroom of heaven, God bangs the gavel down and says, not guilty, justified, freely forgiven forever. The only hope we have to be at peace with God when he comes or we go to be with him and stand before him in judgment is to be found not guilty. That's the way we prepare for the soon and certain return of Christ. There's an old fable about Satan meeting, meeting with three new apprentice demons. He told the demons that their job was to deceive people from turning to the truth and knowing Christ as Savior. So he said to the demons, now, how do you propose to deceive people? The first demon raised his hand and said, I'll tell people there is no God. Satan said, no, that, that won't work. I mean, everybody can look around and know there has to be a God who created all of this. The second demon raised his hand and said, I'll tell people there is no hell. Satan said, that won't work either. I mean, deep down, instinctively, everybody knows there has to be a place of judgment for unbelievers and for evildoers. The third demon raised his hand and he said, I know. I'll tell people there is no hurry. Satan smiled and said, with that, you will deceive millions. There is no hurry. Oh, pastor, I know I need to get things right with God someday. I know things aren't what they should be, and, and I'll get around to it one day. But I've got my family responsibilities. I've got this problem at work. I've got this health issue I'm dealing with. I, I'm just starting out in life as a teenager and young adult. I've got some living I want to do. I'll get around to it eventually. There's no hurry. That's the deception of Satan. The truth is, today is the only day you have. And today very well may be the last day that you have. And that's why the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? Nothing brings more joy to me and all of us at Pathway to Victory than to hear from listeners who tell us about their decision to trust in Jesus Christ. Many are coming to faith in Jesus Christ at this very moment. Make no mistake, God's Spirit does the work of conversion, but it's God's people who provide this daily program based on God's Word, people like you. And if you're among those who give to Pathway to Victory, we want to say thank you on behalf of those who have benefited from your generosity. For example, I heard from Susan in Kansas who wrote, Pastor Jeffress, I live with depression and anxiety. But through your books and teaching, I have asked Jesus to come into my life. I haven't always been in a good relationship with God, but I'm still learning how to be faithful. Well, that's great, Susan. And when you give a generous gift to Pathway to Victory, you're reaching new friends like Susan who need a ray of hope. 
When you give generously today, I'm going to send you three exclusive resources to your home. The first is a colorful coffee table book for you and your family. It's called America is a Christian Nation. When your kids or grandkids take their history classes, it's highly unlikely their teachers will describe what our founding fathers had in mind. The United States was founded predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly by Christians who wanted to build a Christian nation. The second item is a DVD on that very same topic so that you can share this important message with your friends and family as well. Finally, I'm prepared to send you an exclusive music CD that includes your favorite patriotic songs. The music is performed by our First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra, and it's called For God and Country. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, we'll send you a copy of Dr. Jeffress's best-selling book, America is a Christian Nation, along with the powerful companion message on DVD. Plus, we'll also include a brand new music CD from the First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. It's called For God and Country, featuring unparalleled performances of your favorite patriotic songs. Give a gift and request these resources when you call 866-999-2965 or online go to ptv.org. And when you give $125 or more, you'll also receive the popular teaching series called America and the Bible on both CD and DVD. Again, call 866-999-2965 or online go to ptv.org. You could also write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, wishing you a great weekend. Then join us again next time for the start of a popular series titled A Place Called Heaven. That's Monday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.